Welcome. This is the Business of Vulnerability, the podcast that shares the wonderful work that individuals, organizations, and communities are doing around the world to try and help those who are most vulnerable. Welcome to the Business of Vulnerability podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Paul Armstrong. Paul is the Vice President of Programs for the San Diego Rescue Mission. Paul, thanks so much for coming on and joining us today. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Hey, no problem. I, any, any excuse we can get to talk with you, I'll take. Um, uh, Paula, for, for those that have no idea, can you explain what the San Diego Rescue Mission does? Yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, you know, we have our, our vision is to see God transform the lives of those experiencing homelessness impacting San Diego one life at a time. So our primary focus is on serving uh, people who are experiencing homelessness. Uh, in San Diego. And so we do it. Uh, we have three main programs that we use to, to address the needs. First, we do have an emergency shelter that we operate for women and women with children. And it's basically it's a walk up shelter. So it, that's the, the beauty of it. It gives the people who are just need a bed for that night uh, a safe place to come. Uh, we also then have an up to a year long program that's uh, a holistic approach. So it's also a shelter program, but it serves men, women, and women with children. And it gives them a year. Uh, we call that program Mission Academy. And we, we call the people we serve students. And so we help them actually be able to navigate uh, different areas, get jobs, get training, and ultimately uh, find housing, uh, all from a faith-based perspective. And then we third program we have is a, is a licensed preschool. So we serve children ages two to five, uh, again, with a focus on families that are experiencing homelessness. And we really, our intent there is to help change the trajectory of their educational pipeline. We do know that people experiencing homelessness, that the educational outcomes are not good. Uh, and so our hope is to interject ourselves at the very beginning of their schooling process, give them a positive, powerful experience uh, that sets them up so as they go on to kindergarten, elementary school, and ultimately, uh, hopefully, working on their PhD, they're able to. We were able to change that trajectory uh, for them. So, those are our three primary programs. Uh, we have some other things that you know maybe we can bring up as we talk through it. Uh, but the rescue mission, kind of our our secret sauce, is that we're super intentional that we come at this from a faith based perspective. So we are actually pretty intentional, which uh, makes us a little bit different from other service providers in that we don't, uh, we, as a general rule, shy away from government contracts. In fact, we don't have any government contracts um, because it's not the government's bad. It's just that what we want to be able to do is keep faith as a central part of what we do, um, but then also be able to be responsive. One of the things I tell my team all the time, since we don't have contracts, if we're not effective, the only people we can blame is ourselves. Uh, and so it, it feels like it also gives us a little bit of freedom to be to pivot uh, quickly to needs uh, and to be addressing uh, the things that we're seeing as we operate within uh, within. And we recognize we operate within a larger system. But as we find our spot within the system, that's where we've kind of found our sweet spot. Your programs are, are really interesting. How do you you know, as you're over programs, how do you decide? Like, there's so many different problems you could solve. Like, yeah. how do you decide as a rescue mission, these are these are the ones we're going to pick and we're going to focus on? Um, I, I think it is. it does become uh, 
our our vision and mission drives it, right? So we, as I mentioned, you know, we want to we want to impact San Diego one life at a time. Um, we do have we found that doing kind of more of a holistic approach is is helpful. Um, so that's how that year long program came. Uh, and then for us, you know, again from a from a, our faith perspective as, as a Christian organization, that ability to offer that cold cup of water. Uh, so one of the famous lines from Jesus is, "Whatever you've done, whenever you've done to the least of these, you've done to me." So an idea of emergency shelter, um, immediate needs, being able to meet some of those basic needs, um, are really uh, are really uh, a core to just how we view the world. And so our ability to then organize our programming around being one holistic, but then two really kind of attacking the need right there at that source is great. I think one of the things too that that our, we look at as we build our programs is like how uh, our CEO puts it is, we don't just want to meet the need, but we want to address the need. And so recognizing there's a little bit different, that's a little bit nuanced. So meeting a need is just simply being able to give that sandwich. And not that there's not times to give the sandwich is good, but addressing the need is being able to provide the sandwich and then figure out what will it look like to get this person connected to sustainable food, to sustainable housing, to sustainable mm -hmm. living. So um, that's really how we see our vision impacting our programming so that we can be intentional about how we're building our operations. And how do you fit into the, like the larger rescue mission kind of umbrella i know there's rescue missions all over are they all independent is there do you work together how does how does that work yeah so really it's a, we we have a which it is that we like to share best practices and so it's a collaboration uh so we share information we we identify hey this is what's working we'll have annual conferences where we can pass along best practices um and and so it is it's it is it's an affiliation to be able to go, okay, here's all organizations that pretty much have tackled this in a, in a like-minded way and how can we share resources, ideas, and, and be able to collaborate um, effectively. Hmm. Awesome. And, and all kind of united around that, that faith-based approach, right? Mm -hmm. That's the kind of the, the united thing. Yeah. Um, you know, the faith-based approach really Set you apart. How does that? You mentioned a little bit of how it affects the programming, but how does the faith-based approach affect the rest of of what you're doing, of how you do your work, of how your staff works? Um, how does that influence and, and maybe be different than other providers that that are out there? Yeah, and you know, and it's and it's one of the things. It's it's understanding, and I, I that that I have great respect for for all of our all of the different service partners that we get partner with and, and work with. Yeah. Um, I guess the best way to do it is is to look at how faith has has impacted my own personal life. For me, um, as a follower of Jesus, um, I would say that that relationship has been the key relationship in my life that has rippled through um, every other aspect of my life. Um, I try and model my leadership off of leadership principles that I think we see Jesus and how Jesus lived his life. Um, I have ethical standards around how I should love my neighbor, um, how I should do what is right uh, based off of what I've, how I've grown and matured in my faith. And so what I've found is that's amazing. I've, I've had a, a transformed life as a result of my faith. Um, and so I want to offer that and work in a, in a system where we can highlight that to invite people 
uh, to go, oh, wow, the, this really can change my life. Uh, and that's really one of the things I think we've we seen, as we have seen that the power of our faith can really transform lives. Uh, again, I recognize, that's why I'll, I'll always say, hey, we need to be one voice in the system. Uh, not everyone's going to want to follow Jesus, and I recognize that. But what sure. I can say is by clearly being a voice within the system that says, hey, this is a place where faith is central, uh, really resonates. Uh, one, for the people who come and join our team, they typically, as a general rule, they're going to go, wow, this is faith is important. But then, uh, more importantly, for the people we serve, we offer them a, a, a way to connect with God. Uh, in fact, for, every, for all of our students, one of our goals for them is that they would encounter God. Um, and so we are able to then invite people uh, to go ahead and connect with God, connect with Jesus in a powerful way. And what we've seen is just as I've seen in my own life, I've seen that transformation. We watch uh, lives get transformed as they grow and they mature in their faith as well. Yeah, that's amazing. You guys are doing amazing things. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it, uh, I commend you for your faith and, and your integrity to it. It's, it's, it's awesome. Um, I, I'm sure you get this, but because I know it, it pops up of, of, you know, when you tell people what you do and people say, hey, that's amazing. Like, it must be so rewarding. Um, but I think sometimes people don't also realize the, the, the stress and the, the how hard it is. Um, if, if there was something you wanted people to know about the work you and your team do, like, what would it be? What, could you share a snapshot of maybe some of the frustrations yeah. and some of the victories that you have and help us understand at a more granular level what's that like and, and what do you wish people understood? Yeah, right. It, it is an interesting thing because as we manage the issue of, of homelessness, you kind of you're tackling it at two levels. Is one we recognize we need healthy systems and we need this larger macro approach. But anyone who works in this area recognizes that each person experiencing homelessness has their own story, their own way that they got there. And it is then uh, it's a personal individual way of being able to navigate out of it. Right. And mm -hmm. so it's where how do you set up and create systems and processes that can have flow through a system while at the same time coming alongside each person individually and, and walking with them. You know, one thing, and, and we see this ah, so so many times just because we have limited resources so people go oh we have all this housing well we don't have enough housing <laughs> and, so, and so and then each person has different reasons why they've lost housing which creates different barriers to how to get back into housing so even as you're building housing it's how do we actually navigate this one individual person with their individual challenges through their individual barriers so that they're set up for success. Um, I, I think that is, that is one of the things is that really it is hard work. And I think a lot of people, you know, like I really wish I'm looking for that magic fairy dust that you can sprinkle over people uh, and get them and get them into housing or get, help them get the, the through the process. Um, and a lot of times it is, it's you take two steps forward and one step back with someone. Um, you are dealing with complex issues. You're dealing with trauma. Some do have mental health or addiction issues. 
some just have really bad credit and so they really struggle um and all of those things is is what makes it when you see someone succeed um it's really rewarding um but it's really the the messy middle of all the people you're trying to navigate um one of the things and so this becomes this becomes i think the tension that a lot of us in homeless services face is that we all have the stories of the great the onesie twosies, but we really want to be having that larger impact. When I was, uh, before I did this work, I had the opportunity to serve as a chaplain and one of my mentors, he shared a perspective that just kind of like it, it drives me every morning when I get up. So he was a chaplain on an aircraft carrier. So thousands of people on the aircraft carrier and a commanding officer, his commanding officer. So his boss walked up to him and said, Hey chaplain, I just want you to know, I hate you. Never a good thing when your boss says he hates you. And he goes, no. it, was a, it, was a, it was a positive. After this, he goes, you know, you are amazing at the ones and tens, but I need you to be impacting the hundreds and thousands. And as I work in, and as I do this now, working at homeless services longer, I, I see that I see, and I see amazing impact a lot of times happening, but it oftentimes is in those ones and tens. Um, and really what drives, I think all of us who are in this is we want to be impacting hundreds of thousands. Uh, and so it really is trying to figure out um, how do we be as effective as possible in the ones and tens in such a way that it ripples into impacting hundreds and thousands. Man, that is a, a profound, uh, that story is going to stick with me. It's a, a profound insight because I, I think the same thing of the work that I do and now, right, am I recalculating, am I, am I helping the, the hundreds and thousands or am I only helping the ones and tens? That's, uh, man, that's, that's a powerful thought. So I, I, I'm curious, like, how do you, I, I guess, how, what, what steps are you taking to kind of move from that just ones and tens into the, the hundreds and thousands as an organization? Like, yeah. um, what are some of the steps you can take to be that more systematic while still maintaining that, that personal uh, kind of, uh, I, I don't know another way to, to say it, but there, with the faith-based approach, there's a very personal mentorship style thing. Like how, how do you manage to meld those two things together? Yeah, so right, I think this is where um, what we're trying to do, the, 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 the since we're trying to walk very carefully on is managing, um, actually being outcomes focused and really letting data inform us right so we need to we need to look at what the numbers are saying um while at the same time then so and as those numbers inform us um being able to then make sure that it's drilling down into the quality of care we're giving at the individual level I would say it's a general rule. I don't know that there's anyone out there who says, "Oh, we don't want to be outcomes focused, or we don't want to we don't want to look at our numbers." Um, again, though, one of the things I would say is, and this is a, this is the hard part. I think a lot of times that we wrestle with is, if we were honest, sometimes when we really start looking at numbers hard, uh, the first look is they're not good. And then our, our human nature, if I could just be honest, our human nature is we start spinning those ones and ten stories that are good and we focus on them or we shift our attention to the numbers that are, are okay um, we, we, and, and, and we 
can we can fail as organizations, and I don't mean you know we do this on purpose um, by not doing the hard work of really evaluating when we're not having good outcomes um, to to really figure out what's going on because that's then going to ripple into that we're not impacting the hundreds and thousands. We'll continue to just muddle along in the ones and tens. Um, and so I, I, I do think that that's, that is one of the things. So one of the things I talk with my team is I say, I always will share with them, data is neutral. I, data, data isn't trying to make an opinion. Data is simply the information. And so what we need to do is allow the numbers to be the numbers. Um, let them tell what they say, but they're they going to speak to us. And now let's do the, the good work of being able to evaluate those numbers, evaluate that data, um, and see what it's telling us, see the trends. So then we can adjust ourselves to really actually um, address those things. And so that's, that's the journey we're on, is really to go, we, we want to be outcome focused. We want to have quality numbers, but that means that we're having really quality conversations um, when the numbers are not good and we're holding that tension. We're looking at them and we're then adjusting and making the, the appropriate corrections so that we can have great numbers and great outcomes. And that takes a high level of organizational emotional intelligence to be able to look at that and say like, yes, I know we're tempted to look at these amazing experiences we've had with these 10 people but there's things we need to fix. Like, um, that, that, uh, I mean, I, I commend you guys for that because that's hard. Um, mm -hmm. It's a, a really hard thing to do, but I, I think you're right. That's the only way to get to that hundreds and thousands. Mm -hmm. um, right, and, right, and this is, this is something where we, can, we could actually, I think, can learn from, from corporate America. So here's, here's the uh, corporate America, though, they have it easier, right? Because their profit is, is dollars. And so it's easy to be really critical and look at hard numbers because if you're not making a profit, <laughs> you're, you're not in business. You know? So you kind of, you know, it, it forces a level of accountability, right? Our, our profit um, is in transform lives, which is harder. That's it, right? Really, that's, you know, um, and there is more to that. And you don't want it just to be about uh, numbers, but our profit is so much greater um, that it, it is. We do have to hold the ground. We have to hold the ground and expect ourselves to be profitable uh, as an organization and that we're having that impact. Um, and again, as, the, as our name can say and not for profit, right, is it's super easy to focus on other things uh, and not think about what our, what our profit is, which is being able to, to see lives transformed. Um, it made me wonder with, with the last year of craziness and, and COVID, um, I imagine it, it, it had to at times been easy to slip into the survival mode where you stop thinking about the impact and just how am I going to, you know, uh, raise enough money to stay afloat or keep the people here, uh, you know, just just safe. Uh, but still, I mean, you, you have a larger mission, not just keeping them safe, but moving them through and, and addressing it. Like, how did you guys handle that? And not to say it's done or over. Obviously, yeah. we're still in the midst of of it, but yeah. but how how have you been able to address it and still fulfill your mission? 
Yeah. So right, a, a couple of things on, on that that I think have been have been helpful. So one, when it first started, it was tough, and in fact, we had to close our emergency shelter for a season, just because people are just walking up, right? And so it was at the very beginning of the pandemic, and so. Um, unfortunately, our conditional use permit means that every morning those who came to our emergency shelter had to go. And so we didn't have the ability to shelter in place for our emergency shelter. And so we initially had to, to shut down because it just wasn't safe. And then our year-long program, we, we sheltered in place and, and, and all of that. Um, this is what has worked for us, though, is, is a couple of things. And, and obviously, we're still going through it. Um, one is we were very very thankful for our, our donor base. Our, our donors were continue to be generous. They, they helped sustain us. And so that was super thankful for that. Um, two other things I think were, were have been helpful as we've been navigating it. Two is this is where, again, we can't be alone and just operating independently. Um, I would offer that I think the County of San Diego has done well. Like, right, we stay connected with what was being pushed out by public health. We actually listened to CD. I've been on the CDC's website so many times I can't count. <laughs> and the County of San Diego's uh, site that provides all of the information. I um, mean, here is one of the things is that listening to the public health experts talk about public health and then instituting it, right? There was lots of good checklists. There was lots of good information that was pushed out. And so it was just doing our homework was one of the mm. things I think really helped us is because we were able to put in the safeguards. We were able to, you know, if you walked into our staff's offices, they have the plexiglass, everyone's wearing a mask. Uh, we got more hand sanitizer than I can shake a stick at. Um, but really it was doing the good old fashioned homework of following the health directives following the public health orders. Um, and, and, and that really helped kind of set a tone that we're going to do this work safely and we're going to play by the rules. That's in fact, that's probably my staff is sick of hearing me say, well, we're going to play by the rules, but that's right. That's what we did. We just played by the rules. Um, and then it came back to, to, to mission, right? At the end of the day, we have to recognize people experiencing homelessness, COVID-19 was just one more thing that yeah. they were they were dealing with. And so um, our mission is too important for us to close down. And so we had to figure it out. So like now, as we speak, our emergency shelter is back open. Um, our preschool is up and operating. And, and so all of our programs are open and operating. Um, and we do it again, we're playing by the rules but we also believe that our mission is too important to not do it. Um, and so that drive to accomplish what we believe we've been called to do uh, and do that well. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful. Um, so as I think, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm retired Navy. So having had the opportunity to have that military experience where that's a little bit of the normal, right? We expect people in the military and they're always managing risks. So I'm very thankful that gave me some experiences that I think hopefully I've been able to translate operationally here for us that have been helpful. Uh, and so I'm very grateful for that. But yeah, so playing by the rules and staying focused on our mission has been what's helped us. Wow. Uh, this, is a, this is a random question, but I, I'm curious, everyone that's, that's homeless is experiencing a trauma. Um, right. And COVID, as you mentioned, is just another trauma on top of it. But I'm curious 
if, if you saw anyone turn more towards faith uh, out of this experience and, and the people you work with, or if it, it was similar yeah. numbers already, I know there has been in other areas a little bit of a turn towards it because it is a scary mm -hmm. time and it can be a, a common uh, time for, for us to remember kind of our maker and, and, and think about that. Um, but I, I wonder if you saw any of that in any of your programs over the last year. Yeah. You know, I think it, it, it it's so, and I would, I, I saw this similarly, like when I was, uh, so, at one of the operational tours I had when I was a chaplain was with the uh, first Marine division. I actually got to do, uh, I did a combat deployment. And what I found was that um, you can kind of a little bit sometimes go both directions, just to be honest. For some people, um, hard situations like this can actually cause their faith to, to, to stumble and they can have it. Um, but those then who actually lean in as a general rule, it does grow deeper. Um, so there's a couple of Bible verses that I would use all the time. So the Apostle Paul said, hey, we should uh, rejoice when you face suffering <laughs> because it develops perseverance, which develops character or what produces perseverance, which produces character, which produces hope. And uh, uh, James, uh, the brother of Jesus said, consider pure joy when you face trials of any kind, because it will develop your, it will provide perseverance, which as it finishes its work will make you mature and complete, not lacking anything. So I, I use those two verses the most as a chaplet, I think, just to highlight. There is an opportunity, I think, for people of faith when we face a difficult situation for our faith to grow. Uh, but that is a decision. Um, and so we have seen people make that decision. And as they have, it's, it's been, it is rewarding because there's depth. Um, that is the one thing is the people who lean in on their faith as they navigate a difficult situation. Um, when they come out the other end, they have a deeper sense of joy, a deeper sense of peace because their joy, peace, and hope is no longer, is definitely not tied to circumstances because circumstances are lousy it's anchored in something deeper. And so, yeah, that's, uh, so I have, I, as a general rule, these types of situations can, are really uh, phenomenal opportunities. I, I, uh, <laughs> no one likes to hear that, uh, but they are phenomenal opportunities for, for people of faith to really ask the questions, dig in um, and, and see the depth of what, they're, what they believe uh, and, Again, I'm, yep, I would say that I've been, I've, I've had that opportunity before and continue to see it, that as I go through life and life will continue to throw curveballs at us, um, I'm thankful for my faith because there's an, there's an anchor there that I think just helps, uh, helps me continue to grow and continue to face challenges. And I think even now as an organization uh, continues to position ourselves that we're going to be, we're going to be there. We are going to continue to be in the fight um, uh, serving people experiencing homelessness uh, well and effectively. You know, it's an interesting thing you mentioned that people can kind of go either way. And I've noticed just as an observer in the crisis that organizations kind of done that as well. They either have doubled down on this is what we're doing and this is important enough that we're going to push through or, uh, you know, maybe we didn't believe in that thing as strongly as it, or we're going to pivot and do something else, which is, it's great. Like it's finding what the their thing is makes a lot of sense. But I'm glad that you guys have have doubled down and found you know you know what your mission is because it's it's needed and it's making a you know a drastic effect in in San Diego and and for rescue missions all across the country. Um, now there's 
we need more people willing to to help and and walk with people and hopefully get the ones and tens and and eventually uh the the hundreds and thousands and so uh thank you thank your team thank everybody there we're we are deeply grateful and thanks so much for coming on this uh is uh, your your story is going to stick with me for for a long time and so thank you again for, for coming it's been awesome yeah no thank you i really appreciate it Thank you for listening to The Business of Vulnerability. If you or somebody you know would be a wonderful guest for our next recording, please let us know at Team Pulse, that's T-E-A-M-P-U-L-S-E, at pulseforgood.com. Thank you.